There is less than a month to go before the spring equinox, and before then we'll pass through the first anniversary of the pandemic. The world turns every day, and for now, the calendars read February 24th, 2021. And it's time for another installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement. I'm your host, Sean Tubbs. On today's show, the Charlottesville Redevelopment and Housing Authority gets an update on two upcoming construction projects. Batesville residents have the chance to ask questions about a 60-acre solar project, and the Virginia General Assembly is considering legislation to require schools to return to in-person education. Today's Patreon-fueled shout-out is for the Plant Northern Piedmont Natives Campaign, an initiative that wants you to grow native plants in yards, farms, public spaces, and gardens in the Northern Piedmont. Native plants provide habitat, food sources for wildlife, ecosystem resiliency in the face of climate change, and clean water. Start at the Plant Northern Piedmont Natives Facebook page and tell them Lonnie Murray sent you. Let's begin with a quick look at COVID numbers today. A local surge continues while the statewide numbers recede. The Virginia Department of Health reports 1,907 new cases today, which is just one number off the statewide seven-day average of 1,908. 102 of those cases are in the Blue Ridge Health District, with 80 from Albemarle and 10 from Charlottesville. The University of Virginia is now reporting 853 active cases on its COVID tracker, which is separate from what the Virginia Department of Health puts out. We need to talk a little bit about deaths. After over a week without any fatalities, 13 new cases have been reported in the Blue Ridge Health District in the past four days, for a total of 130 since the pandemic began. That does not mean the individuals died yesterday, as the Virginia Department of Health recommends looking at fatalities on the day they occurred rather than the day they were reported. Statewide, the death count, as reported, has been going up sharply as a backlog of death certificate data is entered. The total number of deaths in Virginia has been 7,807 as of today. One alarming metric change this week is a sudden increase of cases of multi-system inflammatory syndrome in children, from a total of 18 on Monday to 25 yesterday to 27 today. Read coverage of that topic in the Henrico Citizen, and we'll see if Governor Northam says anything about this in his press conference that is going on as I record this podcast. Charlottesville is moving forward with a plan to return students to classrooms on March 8th. Albemarle County goes from Stage 3 to Stage 4 on March 15th. A bill that would require school systems to make in-person instruction the default form of education has passed a Virginia House of Delegates panel. SB 1303 was approved 17-3 by the House Education Committee on Monday. Here's the bill's sponsor, Senator Shabon Donovant. It requires each school board to offer in-person education um, for the uh, minimal numbers of hours required annually uh, to each person in K-12 schools to follow the mitigation guidelines of the CDC to do that in a safe way. Dunavant said opening schools will help some people get back to work. We are seeing that mothers, working mothers, have the highest unemployment rates. And after all of our efforts for equality and employment, we have had a huge setback with untold jeopardy for moms going forward because the infrastructure school is a necessary component of the stability of the family. 
The bill under consideration is a substituted amendment that would allow some students to continue to attend school virtually. Here's Delegate Schuyler Van Valkenburg. Folks are able to learn virtually if they have medical reasons that they feel are important or if their community is just a little bit more wary of going back. The legislation would go into effect on July 1st. An emergency clause requiring schools to open immediately was removed before the bill passed the Virginia Senate. For a snapshot of what divisions are doing what at the moment, consult a map on the Virginia Department of Education's website. While we're on the topic of legislation, real quick, a bill to create a passenger rail authority for the New River Valley has passed the full General Assembly. This year's recommended smart scale projects include $50 million to expand passenger rail to Christiansburg. More on that in a recent story from Amy Friedenberger in the Roanoke Times. Finally, in COVID news, the Center at Belvedere has announced it will reopen its doors on March 15th. The community space off of Rio Road closed their doors in late January amid a surge of cases. The community space off of Rio Road closed their doors in late January amid a surge of local cases. An email from Center Executive Director Peter Thompson said vigilance will still be required. Not everyone has received a vaccination, and uncertainty surrounding coronavirus variants remains. To safeguard against complacency, we are adding a few new protocols to ensure the safest possible environment in which to enjoy our many programs. The Charlottesville Redevelopment and Housing Authority's Board of Commissioners held their final meeting before groundbreaking will take place for the first new public housing units to be built in a generation. Jay Kessler has been working as the project manager on behalf of the CRHA in a position known as owner's representative. Riverbend Development is the private partner under an LLC called the Affordable Housing Group. And in this case, the owner is is different than my normal clients because it really is uh, AHG, it's CRHA, and it's FAR. Um, Owners have a significant role to play in the success of their design and construction projects. Kessler said he had no prior experience working on projects that trigger regulations from the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development before this project. Kessler said actual work at South First Street began on February 8th. Right now, they are working on getting erosion and sediment control set up, uh, getting security fencing up, getting signs and banners up so people know uh, what's going on when they drive by if they're not familiar with it. The first building pad will be ready in April, followed by significant construction activities. The work is expected to be complete in June of 2022. Kessler said the Crescent Hall's renovations are not as close to construction, and negotiations are still underway for a contract price with GMH Construction. He said he hoped the project could close by the first week of March, with construction beginning in mid-April and concluding toward the end of 22. Uh, We had hoped to be there at end of last week, didn't quite get to where we have a a final contract uh, in place. Uh, Their plan is to start on the uh, re-roofing of the building uh, once the eighth floor is vacant so that we don't have uh, too much noise uh, for residents living there. Kessler said the construction schedule depended on enough residents volunteering to be temporarily relocated to other units within the building, and that CRHA had enough verbal commitments to proceed. There will be challenges with being occupied 
uh, during the renovations, but um, that's gotten a lot of discussion, a lot of planning. The cost of both projects have increased due to a scarcity of building materials, which has resulted in an increase in costs. That's a definitely an issue on South First Street, uh, but I know our contractor, Breeden Construction, uh, factored the cost risk into their contract. So if the market changes, um, they, uh, they're at that risk, not, not us, or not, the, you know, not the owner. The occasion of the renovation and the new units was noted by Joy Johnson of the Public Housing Association of Residents. She recently won the Dolbear Lifetime Service Award from the National Low-Income Housing Coalition for her work in laying the groundwork for affordable housing reform in the city. The work that FAR and myself has done, and to see those 63 units getting ready to go up, and to see Crescent Hall's um, getting ready to uh, rehab, and to be able to see that, for me, you know, um, I am just very thankful. The CRHA will have a work session on the agency's capital budget on Thursday. That event has been postponed twice due to recent inclement weather. You're listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement. We've got one more story to go, but just dropping in here real quick to say that if you would like to support the program and put some piece of information in this spot and in the newsletter, contact me. We're not talking a lot of money here. We're really just talking about ways to make sure I can keep this thing going for as long as I can. Drop me a line and back to Charlottesville Community Engagement. Last night, a community meeting was held for a special use permit for a 60-acre utility-scale solar facility near Batesville. SunTribe Solar is applying for the permit for an 8-megawatt project on behalf of the Central Virginia Electric Cooperative, which purchased the property last year. Supervisors updated the zoning code in 2017 to allow such facilities with a special use permit. Bobby Jocks is a permitting lead with SunTribe Solar. Once the life of this facility is complete, the site will be restored to its original condition. Neighbors had the opportunity to ask questions about the project. Paul Miller is a resident of Craig Store Road, where the site would be located. You know, I'm in general in favor of uh, solar development. Um, I'm not so sure about this particular location. Um, when I look at opportunities for development on top of buildings and more urban areas. Miller asked if there could be opportunities for sheep to be able to graze on the property. Miller and others also expressed concern about outdoor lighting at the facility, expressing concerns about preserving the dark sky. Mark Teeting also lives on Craig Store Road, and he said he was concerned about the visual impacts in the years before vegetated landscaping grows in. He also had a question about whether this use would be a substantial detriment, which is a term used by planners. I'm excited about solar, and they've been really good to work with, and talked about letting my son Jack keep running his sheep there. Um, I have to worry about property values a little bit, too. I think most of us who live in the area, you said we want to live in a rural area, know that we probably wouldn't have bought here if there was a power plant next door. Bill Fritz with Albemarle County's Community Development Department said there is a high bar to stop a project based on the claims for substantial detriment. Substantial detriment that, that 
planners use is that the impact is of such severe impact that it denies the right to use a another property. So for example, if I have a use that uh, generates a massive amount of, of odor and I am next to a restaurant, I've effectively made it so that restaurant cannot operate. That would be a substantial detriment. The mere fact it could be seen would not be a substantial detriment. However, Fritz said there are three other factors staff will review while it conducts their review. It may not be a substantial detriment, but it might be inconsistent with the character of the area. The project will next go to the Planning Commission for a recommendation, followed by the Board of Supervisors. And that's it for today's installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement. We are getting right to work on the next one. As I said, Governor Northam is speaking as I record this. There's also news coming out from Albemarle County on their budget. There's a lot of information to get to every day. I've even got a couple of interviews in the pipeline that at one point I am going to actually post somewhere and get them out there. Maybe today. I'm really enjoying putting this work out there for you as often as I can. If you have benefited from this program, please consider making a financial contribution. There's lots of ways to do that, and you can just simply ask me, and I can point you in the right direction, or most importantly, send it on to somebody else so I can continue to grow the audience. Uh, The numbers are growing every day, and I'm really excited about that, and I'm really excited that you're listening, and thank you so much. I'm Sean Tubbs, your host, and I'll be back in the near future with another installment. In the meantime, what do you guys got to do? That's right. Stay safe.